This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, February 24th. You're listening to WNBF. Binghamton City Attorney showed up with police officers in garbage trucks to clean up a home that had become a neighborhood nuisance. The house at 314 Prospect Street in the First Ward had been targeted under the city's lockdown law after a man was shot there. Representatives of the Binghamton's Corporation Council's office were accompanied by police and trash crews when they visited the home around 12.45 p.m. Thursday. Police called for more officers a short time later when they encountered some resistance. Neighbors applauded as public works employees loaded garbage and old furniture into a couple of waiting trucks. One man watching the spectacle from across the street said it's about time. Entrances to the building were being boarded up as some of the trash was removed. Mayor Jared Cram last September said a warning letter had been sent to the owner of the Prospect Street property because it had been deemed a public nuisance. At the time, the mayor said the owner had 30 days to submit a corrective action plan to the city to address the problems. If the issues weren't addressed, the city could go to court to seek a temporary closing of the premises. In an email to WMBF News Thursday, Cram said the property owners were being served a preliminary injunction. A city court hearing on the proposed lockdown is scheduled for March 6th. The mayor said this is the latest step in the city prosecuting the property owners following the lockdown warning. He said if the city is successful at next month's hearing, the property will be locked down. The city has used the lockdown law sparingly over the last decade. It's generally been employed for nightclubs or after-hours establishments following ongoing criminal activity. New York Governor Kathy Hochul has criticized Congressman George Santos for backing a measure that would designate the AR-15 rifle as the national gun of the United States. Santos, who represents a Long Island district, is co-sponsoring the bill with fellow Republicans Andrew Clyde of Georgia and Lauren Boebert of Colorado. In a statement released Thursday, Hochul said it is outrageous and appalling that Santos would attach his name to the legislation. Hochul said this weapon of war has been used in mass shootings across the country, including at a top supermarket in Buffalo, where the shooter used a modified AR-15 to murder 10 people in a despicable act of white supremacist terror. Authorities said 18-year-old Peyton Gendron of Conklin brought the semi-automatic Bushmaster XM-15 rifle at an Endicott gun shop. The proposed legislation, supported by Santos, would declare an AR-15-style rifle chambered in a 223 Remington round or a 5.56 by 45 millimeter NATO round, the national gun. Hochul said the bill, which attempts to glorify the weapons that often have been used in mass shootings, adds unforgivable insult to injury for those who have lost loved ones to such violence. The Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force executed a search warrant at 383 Cobb Road in the town of Maine. As a result of the search, law enforcement officers seized over $10,000 in methamphetamine and a number of weapons, including illegal pistols and rifles, high-capacity magazines, and ammunition. As a result of the investigation, 32-year-old Corey Dixon from the town of Maine was charged with criminal possession of a controlled substance in the second degree, two counts of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree, three counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, nine counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, criminal possession of stolen property in the fourth degree, and criminally using drug paraphernalia in the second degree. Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar stated this case is another remarkable victory for the collective teamwork of our local law enforcement agencies. Getting dangerous narcotics and illegal weapons out of circulation is key to building a safer future for our families. And I applaud the detectives and officers for all their hard work getting it done for our community. 
On Wednesday, New York State approved a measure to lower the hourly threshold for farm workers to qualify for overtime pay to 40 hours in 2032. The hourly threshold for farm workers in New York to start receiving overtime pay will be lowered from 60 hours per week to 40 hours per week by 2032. Beginning in 2024, the threshold will be lowered to 56 hours per week before receiving overtime pay. The threshold will continue to decrease over the years until it reaches 40 hours per week by 2032. Roberta Reardon, New York State Department of Labor Commissioner, said it would ensure equity for farm workers who are the very backbone of our agricultural sector. Following the finalization of the change, State Senate GOP leader Rob Ort stated our family farmers are already struggling with skyrocketing inflation, high unemployment insurance taxes, and a severe worker shortage. This is one more burdensome mandate passed on by unelected bureaucrats that will cause more harm. Farm owners have fought back against the measure over recent months, claiming that lowering the overtime pay threshold will threaten family farms by driving up labor costs. New York plans to counteract the negative economic impact the new overtime hours threshold could have on New York farmers by expanding tax credits for farmers as part of Governor Kathy Hochul's budget plan. Farm owners would be able to receive a tax credit of $1,200 per employee, and a refundable overtime tax credit was established to help farm employers pay the increased overtime hourly wages. A man riding in a car with his cousin shot and killed another passenger, then returned to the same neighborhood near Orlando hours later and shot four more people, killing a journalist covering the original shooting and a nine-year-old girl. Orange County Sheriff John Mina characterized the shootings Wednesday as random acts of violence. Mina said during a news conference Thursday that 19-year-old Keith Melvin Moses has been arrested and charged with first-degree murder in the initial shooting that killed 38-year-old Natasha Augustin and that numerous more charges would follow. Spectrum News 13 identified the slain reporter as Dylan Lyons. Authorities say the gunman also killed Tyona Major and critically wounded her mother at a nearby home. The White House is calling on congressional Republicans to increase the fines levied on rail companies for safety violations in the wake of the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. There are still safety and health concerns among residents in the village after dozens of train cars being pulled by Norfolk Southern went off the tracks on February 3rd and released chemicals into the area. The White House says that the highest fine that can be charged to companies for violations involving the transportation of hazardous material is $225,455. That's less than 1% of Norfolk Southern's profits last year of $3.27 billion. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, chance of snow showers mainly before noon. Mostly cloudy with temperatures falling to around 21 degrees by 5 p.m. Wind gusts as high as 33 miles per hour, a 30% chance of rain. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low near 14. Tomorrow, chance of snow showers. Cloudy with a high near 33 degrees, a 40% chance of rain. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy with a low near 20 degrees. Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 46. And Sunday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 24 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Friday morning, fun in the snow on News Radio WNBF. Bob Joseph with you. Give me a call now at 607 772 1290. Call in, share your thoughts on News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. In a crowded city like home, 
Good morning to you. Thank you for being with us as we start the final episode of another great week in Binghamton. We begin in the town of Union. Tom in Endwell, you're on the air. How are you doing? Um, pretty good. Well, um, I just wanted to, I've been listening to your show a little bit, um, kind of on and off working. Um, I've been watching all these train derailments and, you know, a lot of these train derailments have almost the same type of toxic chemicals or toxic chemicals. And all these chemicals are beyond spilling in the air, you know, but they're also being dumped in our water. Like the spillage is going into our water. And if you, if you, they're, they're just almost, they're everywhere. And the water that they're dumping in is affecting millions and millions and millions of people's drinking water and bathing water. Um, you know, the, the last one in Ohio, I listened to a lot of um, people that deal with those kind of spillages and build these tanks. They said these tanks are near that carry these chemicals are pretty much indestructible. And then other people that deal with like cleanups and things of, of those natures. Um, when they lit those tanks on fire, that wasn't even protocol by any stretch of the imagination. And they should have treated the Ohio one as pretty much like a dirty bomb, evacuated everybody immediately. And, you know, they never did any of that. And then, well, they evacuated a lot of people immediately. Maybe they should have had a, a bigger evacuation zone. Um, you know, right at the outset, I was following along in the first hours after the derailment. I think they evacuated at least a one-mile radius around the site. Uh, how, how big an area do you think they should have evacuated? They should have evacuated a lot more than that. They should have treated it as like a dirty bomb. You know, one mile with the wind isn't far, you know, and a lot of people are posting things that actually live in the area. Um, They said it's bad, like it's bad, like people's finished coat are peeling off their car. Animals and fish are dead everywhere. Um, A lot of health issues, Um you know, and the media, I mean, they are reporting on it, but they're not, like, reporting on it. What you know, more I can the media do? I mean, for, for one thing, reporters are subject to arrest for doing their job. And we saw what happened when that Ohio National Guard 
supervisor decided that reporting wasn't allowed during a news conference by Ohio's governor. So, you know, Republic or not Republicans, reporters are on notice. You know, you do your job, you're subject to arrest. You go to jail. That's Ohio. Well, if, you, if you report on what you know, they don't want you to report on because they don't want the people to know about. Right. That's my point. It. You know, they they want only the stuff that they've put out officially. So, you know, the whole point of reporters, I mean, whether it's in Ohio or around here, you know, reporters should be free to report. And unfortunately, in America today, reporters aren't free to report in many circumstances. Fortunately, here in Binghamton, for the most part, reporters usually are allowed to do their jobs unfettered unless somebody is having a bad day then they're ordered away and get out of here do you want to be arrested that sort of thing so it's you know reporters are damned if they do and damned if they don't you know they're the the powers that be usually in america allow reporters to do their jobs but all it takes is one person who's having a bad day who doesn't believe in freedom of the press, and it can go sideways. It's not fair, and you don't have – look, reporters – I'm a reporter. What do I – when I go to the scene of a story, what do I have? I have a phone, which has a camera for still and video pictures. I have a pen, and I have a notebook. That's all I have. So reporters – reporters when they go up against authority especially people who are threatening you with arrest or worse you know reporters aren't doing well i mean even this week i mean you saw what happened in orlando reporters can be killed for doing their jobs so you know i think i think reporters are doing the best they can under the circumstances this is a difficult story you can't tell me if the people at Norfolk Southern will do sit-down interviews, I don't think the guy in charge of Norfolk Southern has been doing in-depth interviews with reporters. I mean, maybe he should. Or if he has, I haven't seen it yet. I think reporters are are doing their best to get all the relevant details about the uh, health and environmental hazards following the derailment. Right. I, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to continue to watch these. If if this can if the, these train derailments continuing continue to keep happening with toxic chemicals, then this isn't by accident. It's by design. It's not by design. We're, it's by design. Well, elaborate then. It's by design. Explain. Elaborate because that's. That's a shocking statement to make on live radio. How, who gains by having train derailments? Well, I just look at all these train derailments so far with all the toxic chemicals. Plus, the Again, who factors. gains? The railroad doesn't gain. The shippers don't gain. Politicians don't gain. Firefighters, EMS, law enforcement, journalists, nobody gains. People who live well, near derailment scenes. They could have their home values, at a minimum, reduced. They might have serious health problems that might be temporary or could be long-lasting. Nobody gains from having train derailments. The railways, the railways are 
are incentivized to have safe operations because, trust me, however many millions and millions and millions of dollars this episode will cost Norfolk Southern, they're going to regret that they didn't have whatever, more safety precautions or whatever on that particular train on that specific night. So it's it's not in the interest of the industry or government officials or anyone else. Well, if you could let me finish, like I said, if you take well, all these Well, trains. answer a question directly, because I, I posed the question one time, and you didn't answer the question directly, so please answer this question directly. Who would gain from having train derailments done on purpose? Well, it destroys your crops. Destroys- Wait. Answer the question. This is the last time. Don't tell me it destroys your crops. Give me a name. Give me a name or at least an entity. If you don't have a name, who stands to gain specifically from train derailments that are staged on purpose? Government control. They control your medical. They control- All right. That's Sorry. Insufficient reply. Government control. Government control? Government already has enough control. They don't need to stage derailments. Unless you have evidence. You know, the, the conspiracy... This is not a conspiracy theory show. So if you, if you have evidence that the government is clearing the way or making it possible for more train derailments... Send the evidence to me, Bob at WNBF.com. I'll review the evidence, and if it's compelling, I'll put it on the program. Government control. It's 922. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Joan from Bingo. Hi. Hi. Well, just this morning I was reading a federal, uh, well, it wasn't just the news. There was a article on, and they were listing the federal results for derailments, and they said in the last 10-year period, uh, toxic derailments were down 55%. Regular derailments were down something like 10%. So, so that automatically and automatically refutes what Tom was saying. He was saying that uh, the derailments lately have something to do with government control. Well, you can, uh, yeah, you can, you know, judge whatever. The government put out whatever statistics they want, whether they're true or not, but that's what they reported anyway. All right. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And and as I say, do do you understand this theory that derailments are happening on purpose, that somebody, the government or somebody else, stands to gain from having more derailments involving dangerous chemicals? I would think that would be not so good, especially for the railroad. They had the one somebody reported what a few years ago from New Jersey that cost uh, the railroad thirty million dollars to clean up, or something, or some some big number to clean up anyway. Yeah, and I'm sure so I'm sure East Palestine is going to cost Norfolk Southern a lot more than thirty million dollars. I would think so. I would think so because this one's right inside. What did this happen right inside the town or right outside the town? Mm. I think it's inside the village limits. It's very close oh, okay. to to some homes, so it's. I've never been there. I've looked at at some of the pictures on Google Maps and Street View, and so I, 
Yeah, it's kind of a small village. I don't, I don't know if it's kind of like yeah, Owego. There were there are too many people there. No, it's a thousand not, maybe or something yeah, like that. Not, I don't know. It was a fairly small number. Yeah, you know? it's it. Which it could seems, happen around here, I guess. Well, it could. Know? It could happen anywhere. But yeah. again, my point. First of all, I'm not happy with any derailment, even if there are no chemicals involved. But as far as the railroads are concerned, I think even with reduced crews... Now, I did hear something interesting. Was this on Dan Bongino's program? I think I think the point he made, and for some reason I may have overlooked, is um, this was a three-person crew on this train that derailed and and some people have said well railroads are actually uh lobbying for um the uh ability to have crew, a, a one-person crew on freight trains i think trains. that's what they're doing around here from what i've been told well i don't know if they do it i mean maybe they do it on short trains i don't know i'm i'm not familiar with the rail industry i will say this like all industries the rail industry is very secretive so it's not as though i can call uh the companies that run rail operations in binghamton and say hey i want to do a report on the day in the life of um, the binghamton rail yard or out there in the town of conklin my guess is click it, you know they don't oh, want yeah. that they trust me you know, I, well, I'm sure there's probably people you could talk to that work for the railroad. Oh, that's that, uh, true. And, on the and side I wouldn't uh, mind uh, giving you some information. Yeah. But uh, no, that's that's true, and I might do it. I I admit I haven't done any any um, digging about uh, local rail operations in in several years. But I, as I recall now, there there are a couple of people who have provided me some information in the past, so maybe I'll give them a call. Well, apparently this train, from what I was told, had 170-some cars on it. Which oh, really? Is, okay. Well, that's, that's kind of a biggie, <laughs> would uh, say. Yep. And apparently from the new YouTube videos, they're telling me that uh, the whole underside of the car was on fire which means there would have had to have been a leak because that would not uh, happen with just a wheel bearing over overheating. The whole bottom of the car would not be on fire because those tankers apparently they're made uh, uh, almost indestructible, you know. I mean, it's carrying that bad stuff. Right. Um, so, you know, if it's on fire, that probably um, might be something that, uh, you know, that was leaking or something. And that contributed to the whole problem of uh, a big fire. Yeah. And apparently changing the trucks on those things is almost, as my husband tells me anyway, he saw a video of it, is almost just like uh, easier than changing them on a car. They just come in with this big forklift thing from the side, they lift it up, put new trucks underneath, and in five minutes they're on their way. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's not that they don't have... Uh, uh, total plans and don't do it. Probably do it a lot if they got that kind of equipment. They, oh, you know, I'm I'm sure they do. Eyeball. I'm sure they do. And and I I want to point out I have seen over the last few years a great deal of work being done on the rail lines here in the triple cities. I mean, as far as upgrading. And I I think I don't know if it was three or four years ago I did a story because they were in many parts of. Um, our area, they were 
replacing sections of track and yeah. you know they had a yeah. lot of people working and that's not cheap so again the bottom line for all the railroads even though yes they want to cut cost as much as possible like every business they also really need to keep things as safe as possible even if they think their workers are expendable and i won't I would never say that Norfolk Southern or any other U.S. railway thinks their workers are expendable. I, I do think they probably deserve, in some cases, more money and some better uh, working conditions and the ability to call in sick, which in I don't know if it's all cases, but at least in some cases, it sounds like the policies need to be mm-hmm. revised. But but again, in in the end, it's... It's in the best interest of the railroad to keep their uh, equipment safe, their lines safe, and to the greatest extent possible while keeping costs down, trying to keep their uh, workers as as content as you can. But with the understanding, of course, Joan, that in 2023, no one's ever happy. Well, from what I've heard, they primarily complain about the uh, number of people and, you know, possibly some of the safety things that... uh, workers think they should do and the railroad doesn't do but for pay i haven't heard any complaints about pay apparently these guys get fairly good pay <laughs> well and they should because uh, in, in most seen, well in most cases they're they're on call i don't know if they're on call all the time but a lot of times um, from what i've read and i haven't spoken with any active uh, railroad people but from what i've read a lot of times they they could be on call and and have to be ready to report to work i don't know if if it's within two or three hours so they they have to deal with conditions that might be a lot different from typical jobs oh yeah they get stranded places you know oh, yeah. the train may be sitting for six hours uh, oh yeah out in the boonies you know <laughs> and uh yeah it's Guess what they're there yeah, yeah, it, it, you have to be patient. But, yeah. you know, anyway, hopefully we'll we'll learn some more answers from what happened in Ohio, and, and maybe that'll make things safer for everyone. The train activity, though, has been very high, what was it, a couple of days this week. I couldn't believe the amount of noise and the amount of trains and everything and the number on the tracks. I don't know, it was almost like after that incident happened they decide well i better move everything i can right now <laughs> i don't know if that's i know I, yeah i, 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 I haven't seen I that much stuff back you know yeah. around and uh you know on the uh, on the tracks and those long trains for a long time so yeah i was near the what? i was near the train operations the switching yard in downtown binghamton yesterday there was quite a bit of activity so yeah, not sure great. if it's coincidental or yeah. maybe Maybe they know something that we don't know. Well, maybe it's spring and everybody's got high hopes and everything's getting delivered. Who knows? Well, and, and you know what I would say is if there is a lot of activity, maybe that's a sign that our economy, you know, if shipping on rail and by truck, of course I always yeah. prefer rail uh, because it keeps the extra vehicles off the highways, but um, you know, maybe that's a sign that spring and summer from an economic standpoint, might might start to uh, be better. We'll see. Let's hope so. Thank you. It's 931. This is Bob Joseph, live on News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. Thirty-four. Bob Joseph, live on WNBF. Dave 
in Binghamton. Good morning, Dave. You're on the air. Morning, Bob. Um, so first, there might be a new place that you can pick a moxie. When they get it, I'll let you know. Um, but the other uh, thing that I was calling about was in regard to rail and a little more than just um, uh, freight rail. Um, so Biden announced, uh, you know, a plan for extensions of Amtrak, including one to the um, Scranton area once the bypass, the Lackawanna bypass is rebuilt in New Jersey. And what I find interesting, and this gets back to my normal issue of no no plans for people don't make plans or see things and grab it in our area for whatever reason. Um, but what would probably make a lot more sense than just an, uh, an extension to Scranton is if they can add, make the Phoebe snow line again. And I think I called about it before, but with this talk about freight rail and the issues there, um, there, there's a few ways that it could be a benefit. So if they're building the bypass again in New Jersey, one thing that I think New York and other states should look into to allow more building of tracks is to change the tax um, issue with rail. So right now, rail lines pay tax per mile of track laid, so they remove a lot. of it. They've been removing a lot of track for quite a while um, because it's just too much uh, taxes paid on the track they have. So they go from double or triple lines to single lines, and that causes a lot of delays. Um, and right now, even though technically in the law, freight rail needs to give way to Amtrak, they don't. And yeah, that's true. They, that's that's not enforced, and and freight lines just basically disregard the rule with impunity, as far as I know. One hundred percent. And so, if they can't follow the law, you know what? What's a? What's the? Um, what? What's uh, penalty for not following law, especially if they, there, there's no uh, action taken against them. There's not going to be an issue for, the, for them to continue doing what they're doing. Um, and I, I know their argument's going to be, well, we, you know, we power the delivery of a lot of products, which they do. Um, but again, if we're going to change Americans' uh, travel habits, one reason people don't travel rail is like uh, we get uh, we get delayed by these freight trains all the time, and it takes too long and everything like that. But if we can lay new track, um, and Amtrak owns it or whoever owns it, even if it's a, a freight rail company, there's going to be more track. Yeah, people will say, oh, there's going to be less taxes to receive, but there can't be that much tax, uh, property tax for the slim line of rail every year and even if that's lost the benefit of adding it the you know you can add more factories along the rail line especially in our area we need to have factories and warehouses and everything else along the rail lines add more rail don't tax it the way it is now and i think it would be benefiting everybody from freight to passenger and again having the passenger rail from new york city through scranton to binghamton Corning up to Buffalo um, would save a lot of time uh, for people traveling uh, from the west to New York City. Yeah, and 
with additional passenger and even additional freight service on on railroads that would reduce some of the wear and tear on highways look the country is spending billions of dollars a year to upgrade highways that have been damaged primarily by heavy trucks it's the the heavy trucks that cause the the most wear and tear on highways in the end if we can get safe freight rail service and effective rail a uh, freight rail service along with predictable dependable passenger service this country would be um moving as they say in the right direction 100 percent, and environmentally better for everybody absolutely and safer might i add it you know fewer fewer uh passenger vehicles and fewer big trucks on our highways means fewer crashes fewer uh fatalities most likely so appreciate your call have a great weekend you too 939 this is bob joseph on wnbf dale in binghamton good morning good morning uh one thing is um the railroads owned the land that those rails were set on and they'd have to buy more land along the whole rail but put more rails in there they own that land, not the government. And the second thing is about um, the bearings. Like, like on a truck, that bearing's inside a um, metal case. And when it heats up and starts burning, you just can't shoot a fire extinguisher at it. It won't go out. It'll just keep igniting. And then soon the tires are going up, and soon the freight going up, and soon the truck's going up. And I've seen trucks sit on the ground on their on their steel rims, with all in the trailer melted away, sitting on the side of the interstate because it heated up and they couldn't get at that the inside of that that piece there, just just because of the bearing. But that's a matter of um, maintenance because there's a on a truck there's a little window you can look in there and see the gear, gear oil and see if it's too low or not and I noticed over here at the rail yard, they have, you know, um, pickup trucks sitting around watching the trains. That's why they go slow. So so they can look and see if everything looks okay before it leaves the yard. But they must have missed one or something or it took off. And uh, so that's a uh, a maintenance problem with uh, the railroad, you know. But I've seen it. I've seen it burn stuff right to the ground, you know, just just from a wheel bearing. So, you know, and that's probably what started it, you know. Well, it's so, a, it's a real shame. Maybe maybe they'll find better ways to monitor their rolling stock and, and try to make this sort of calamity less likely in the future. Yeah, it's a shame. I feel, you know, I feel bad for those people for it. Yeah, there, the people some... in East Palestine and in, in the neighboring area, even in Pennsylvania, their lives may never be the same. Appreciate your call. Yeah. 941, this is Bob Joseph on WNBF. Would you like a car? Probably you would. Would you like a new car, a new Honda or a new Hyundai? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that you would, and if that's the case, you should check out Miller Motors, the Miller Auto Team. On the Parkway in Vestal, across from Binghamton University, they can give you all the information you need for a brand-new Honda vehicle or a Hyundai vehicle. 
or even a used car or SUV or truck. In fact, check out the used vehicle inventory at MillerAutoTeam.com. Miller Motors, they are there for you. They've been there in Vestal for a long time, and they will be there for a long time to come. And yes, they can service your vehicle. They have a body shop. They can do it all. Miller Motors. Open tonight till 6, tomorrow from 9 to 4. Miller Motors on the Parkway in Vessel. It's 943. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. Starts recording. Morning, it's 946 at News Radio WNBN. It wasn't just a dream. It was actually just a nightmare for the people of East Palestine, and they're still having to cope with all that. Weeks later, and who knows, who knows when their nightmare will end. Winter has returned to the Binghamton area, and we knew it would happen. Hopefully we won't wind up with one of those 40- or 50-inch snowstorms. There's no indication at the moment that that'll happen, but, and again... With a broken weather machine, anything is possible. Here's the official forecast from the National Weather Service. Mostly cloudy today, snow showers for the next few hours. The temperature will drop to about 20 late today. It's going to be blustery. Snow accumulation today, less than an inch. Mostly cloudy tonight, low 14. Cloudy tomorrow with a chance of snow showers, high 33. Partly sunny Sunday and warmer, high 46. Right now in downtown Binghamton, 27. Little bit brisk at News Radio. WNBF. Overhead door. News Radio 1290. WNBF. Both information and misinformation injected into this situation, none of which is to the benefit of the community uh, when it comes to that misinformation. Did Norfolk So I think. So I lost my train of thought. Um, both information and misinformation injected into this situation, none of which is to the benefit of the community uh, when it comes to that misinformation. So I think... So I lost my train of thought. My train of thoughts. This train 
My thoughts have been derailed somewhere between Binghamton and East Palestine, baby. Nine fifty-three WNBF. One of those things that you hope you never have to see uh, happen in Binghamton's first ward with um, a lot of activity. It was amazing how many city resources were applied to a situation on Prospect Street. Um, I've been covering things around here for a few years now, and in my experience, I never saw this sort of thing. Very strange, very strange. The um, house on Prospect Street had been targeted as part of the city's lockdown law. And uh, so they had uh, city attorneys, they had city police officers, they had uh, public works personnel, uh, at least one person from uh, the Department of Parks and Recreation, a shy person, I'll stipulate. It was... um, yeah, very, very strange at uh, Prospect Street. And um, I I don't know. I don't, I don't understand how these things are um, really supposed to work. But uh, anyway, they announced uh, an injunction or a preliminary injunction had been issued with respect to this property where there have been problems reported. Uh, for an extended period of time. If you want to see for yourself a little bit of what was going on, go to our website, wnbf.com. And so you have attorneys, police officers, and lots of public works employees. And they're, they're taking trash out. And, I mean... They didn't do a complete cleanup, but they were there for a while yesterday. It's um, very strange, according to um, one of the people there. He said, uh, place used to be nice. Yes. How many? There were rats. A lot. A lot of rats. A lot. Probably 12 or more. Really? On the first floor? Uh-huh. On the first floor? Oh. Have you seen anything like this before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's a public works employee. He wasn't phased by this. I mean, disgusted. Where did the rats go? Where did the rats go? Just scattered. Scattered away? No, we were, yo, we were sitting right next to that huge one. Over. When the first one dropped, I jumped back for a second. You didn't get bit, did you? No. No. What a strange sight that was. Anyway... Uh, take a look at the story at WNBF.com. According to Mayor Cram, the uh, property owner uh, previously had been advised. They sent out a warning letter about this situation to the property owner last September. And the mayor told us in an email, he said, this is the latest step in the city prosecuting the property owners following the lockdown warning. A hearing has been set for March 6th, and the mayor said if the city is successful at the hearing, the property then will be locked down. So the lockdown law has been used infrequently in Binghamton. But, by the way, this place, I was familiar with this place because it's where somebody got shot a few months ago.
So it's already on my radar. So Bob Joseph live on WNBF. WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, February 24th. You're listening to WNBF. Binghamton City Attorney showed up with police officers in garbage trucks to clean up a home that had become a neighborhood nuisance. The house at 314 Prospect Street in the First Ward had been targeted under the city's lockdown law after a man was shot there. Representatives of the Binghamton's Corporation Council's office were accompanied by police and trash crews when they visited the home around 12.45 p.m. Thursday. Police called for more officers a short time later when they encountered some resistance. Neighbors applauded as public works employees loaded garbage and old furniture into a couple of waiting trucks. One man watching the spectacle from across the street said it's about time. Entrances to the building were being boarded up as some of the trash was removed. Mayor Jared Cram last September said a warning letter had been sent to the owner of the Prospect Street property because it had been deemed a public nuisance. At the time, the mayor said the owner had 30 days to submit a corrective action plan to the city to address the problems. If the issues weren't addressed, the city could go to court to seek a temporary closing of the premises. In an email to WMBF News Thursday, Cram said the property owners were being served a preliminary injunction. A city court hearing on the proposed lockdown is scheduled for March 6th. The mayor said this is the latest step in the city prosecuting the property owners following the lockdown warning. He said if the city is successful at next month's hearing, the property will be locked down. The city has used the lockdown law sparingly over the last decade. It's generally been employed for nightclubs or after-hours establishments following ongoing criminal activity. New York Governor Kathy Hochul has criticized Congressman George Santos for backing a measure that would designate the AR-15 rifle as the national gun of the United States. Santos, who represents a Long Island district, is co-sponsoring the bill with fellow Republicans Andrew Clyde of Georgia and Lauren Boebert of Colorado. In a statement released Thursday, Hochul said it is outrageous and appalling that Santos would attach his name to the legislation. Hochul said this weapon of war has been used in mass shootings across the country, including at a top supermarket in Buffalo, where the shooter used a modified AR-15 to murder 10 people in a despicable act of white supremacist terror. Authorities said 18-year-old Peyton Gendron of Conklin brought the semi-automatic Bushmaster XM-15 rifle at an Endicott gun shop. The proposed legislation, supported by Santos, would declare an AR-15-style rifle chambered in a 223 Remington round or a 5.56 by 45 millimeter NATO round, the national gun. Hochul said the bill, which attempts to glorify the weapons that often have been used in mass shootings, adds unforgivable insult to injury for those who have lost loved ones to such violence. The Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force executed a search warrant at 383 Cobb Road in the town of Maine. As a result of the search, law enforcement officers seized over $10,000 in methamphetamine and a number of weapons, including illegal pistols and rifles, high-capacity magazines, and ammunition. As a result of the investigation, 32-year-old Corey Dixon from the town of Maine was charged with criminal possession of a controlled substance in the second degree, two counts of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree, three counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, nine counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, criminal possession of stolen property in the fourth degree, and criminally using drug paraphernalia in the second degree. Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar stated this case is another remarkable victory for the collective teamwork of our local law enforcement agencies. Getting dangerous narcotics and illegal weapons out of circulation is key to building a safer future for our families. And I applaud the detectives and officers for all their hard work getting it done for our community. 
On Wednesday, New York State approved a measure to lower the hourly threshold for farm workers to qualify for overtime pay to 40 hours in 2032. The hourly threshold for farm workers in New York to start receiving overtime pay will be lowered from 60 hours per week to 40 hours per week by 2032. Beginning in 2024, the threshold will be lowered to 56 hours per week before receiving overtime pay. The threshold will continue to decrease over the years until it reaches 40 hours per week by 2032. Roberta Reardon, New York State Department of Labor Commissioner, said it would ensure equity for farm workers who are the very backbone of our agricultural sector. Following the finalization of the change, state Senate GOP leader Rob Ort stated our family farmers are already struggling with skyrocketing inflation, high unemployment insurance taxes, and a severe worker shortage. This is one more burdensome mandate passed on by unelected bureaucrats that will cause more harm. Farm owners have fought back against the measure over recent months, claiming that lowering the overtime pay threshold will threaten family farms by driving up labor costs. New York plans to counteract the negative economic impact the new overtime hours threshold could have on New York farmers by expanding tax credits for farmers as part of Governor Kathy Hochul's budget plan. Farm owners would be able to receive a tax credit of $1,200 per employee, and a refundable overtime tax credit was established to help farm employers pay the increased overtime hourly wages. A man riding in a car with his cousin shot and killed another passenger, then returned to the same neighborhood near Orlando hours later and shot four more people, killing a journalist covering the original shooting and a nine-year-old girl. Orange County Sheriff John Mina characterized the shootings Wednesday as random acts of violence. Mina said during a news conference Thursday that 19-year-old Keith Melvin Moses has been arrested and charged with first-degree murder in the initial shooting that killed 38-year-old Natasha Augustin and that numerous more charges would follow. Spectrum News 13 identified the slain reporter as Dylan Lyons. Authorities say the gunman also killed Tyona Major and critically wounded her mother at a nearby home. The White House is calling on congressional Republicans to increase the fines levied on rail companies for safety violations in the wake of the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. There are still safety and health concerns among residents in the village after dozens of train cars being pulled by Norfolk Southern went off the tracks on February 3rd and released chemicals into the area. The White House says that the highest fine that can be charged to companies for violations involving the transportation of hazardous material is $225,455. That's less than 1% of Norfolk Southern's profits last year of $3.27 billion. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, chance of snow showers mainly before noon. Mostly cloudy with temperatures falling to around 21 degrees by 5 p.m. Wind gusts as high as 33 miles per hour, a 30% chance of rain. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low near 14. Tomorrow, chance of snow showers. Cloudy with a high near 33 degrees, a 40% chance of rain. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy with a low near 20 degrees. Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 46. And Sunday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 24 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. This is the real program. Don't accept any imitations. This is the genuine live local radio program for Binghamton. It's the official radio program for the city of Binghamton. I'm Bob Joseph, and you're not on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com.
the policy of truth. That's my policy. Um, yeah, not everybody believes in it, but I think it works fairly well. So we'll continue with that policy until I'm otherwise directed by the corporate puppet masters. 1013 WNBF. What? Can he say that on the air? No, he can't. Therefore, a new host will be uh, ushered in during the next commercial break. Stay tuned for the new host on WNBF and WNBF.com. It's 10.15 on WNBF. It's been a full year since the war began, since Russia began uh, its hostilities against Ukraine. Joining us now in the studio to talk about this is Father Teodor Chabala from the Sacred Heart Ukrainian Catholic Church in Johnson City. It's good to have you with us in our studio this morning. Oh, thank you for having me, Bob. Just want to let you know the corporate pupper masters have told me to take over. <laughs> well, you're, you're welcome. Uh, we're, well, we'll do... Won't, won't the people at the church be surprised this weekend when it's... where? Where's Father Ted? That's it's right. like, well, uh, he he appointed me because he has he has duties now at the radio station because something happened on Friday morning where where I lost my train of thought. I was totally derailed, and you know the the corporate puppet masters would not accept that as a as a legitimate excuse. So suddenly, I'm sure there's coffee in that cup that you walked in with as well. You know. Well, what I'm doing is I I'm blaming the guy. There's a guy who comes by once a week to uh, bring the the water for the water cooler. He has a big uh, truck. Okay. It's a big truck. He fills it with some uh, clear liquid, but you're not exactly sure what Zima. kind of liquid it is. Turns out he, he, it's Zima. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and I should have known better. It, it had that uh, Zima-like taste, and then I thought, oh, no, they're just adding that to the water now. To... Well, they have to do something with all those extra Zimas that they produced years ago. <laughs> no, no, the younger people know what that is anymore. Yeah, that's true. Kids, Google it. Google <laughs> Zima. Um, I don't know how you could describe it, except it was different, and not necessarily in a good way. Just it's different. True. You know, Moxie is different in a good way for some people. Right. Distinctively different. Zima was just different, and eh, some people liked it, but it didn't last. Anyway, uh, it's it really is, to me, stunning that a year has gone by since the war began. I, honestly, I... Early 2022, when all the discussions and you could see uh, what what Russian military uh, units were setting up to do and what uh, Vladimir Putin was said to be thinking about doing, I just thought at the last minute um, cooler heads would prevail Mm. and there would be no violence. I thought it might get up to the brink of war and it wouldn't happen. Unfortunately, it did happen a year ago today. And since that time, so many people have lost their lives so much property has been destroyed and and there's been such upheaval and it's affected of course all the people in ukraine but also so many people outside ukraine including people here in the united states yes yes well obviously we do we need a little bit of levity to to sort of deal with uh, with everyday life this was incredible i remember calling into you still back in 2014 when they first uh, took the eastern part of ukraine in crimea and and we've really never really saw last year as um the uh, uh, as the beginning of the invasion it was just continuation it was an inc- increase of hostilities where they really tried to de- 
decapitate the government and install a pop a puppet government. Um, I think that 2014 really was a wake up call uh, for the Ukrainian people. Uh, they realized that they had to really step up and defend themselves. They were reliant upon the idea that nothing would happen. We're modern people. This would uh, No country would invade another country, especially since we were so close for so many years. Why would Russia invade us? You know, the West would, doesn't care about invading Ukraine. Why would Russia do that? And then when it happened, it was just a shock to the system. Uh, shocked everybody, and then when, when, like you were saying, nobody really, everybody thought cooler heads would prevail. But I don't. I, I, everybody, I thought myself, and I think I may have said that when I was on the air last year, that it really was more of a, a posturing on his part. You know, politics and posturing, especially people who always want to uh, show that we have to get, get something. So for for to get something from the U.S., I have to show that I'm that I'm can do something or get something from the West. I want to I want to you know scare him a little bit. And, sure, and sort that, of a, a a game of global political chess, yeah. and that's what I figured that. Well. He's he's going to make some threats as as leaders sometimes do, and uh, he has some sort of end game other than war. I didn't think An it actual would, invasion. You know, yeah. it, 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 it was just so incredible. We never and and it was just a shock to the system, as they say, for uh, for the whole world, but to us, the Ukrainian community here in the U.S. Um, it was, especially our little uh, community here in Binghamton, it really, um, you know, I won't say hit us harder because, uh, you know, my, my in-laws are still over there in western Ukraine. Lviv was relatively safe compared to, to the capital and especially to eastern Ukraine. So we're in no comparison to that. But the now, you know, they're back to no, to having electrical electricity certain times of the day. Um, the, the, the orphanage that we were taking care of since 20, since about, you know, 10 years ago or so, uh, has really, uh, they were inundated with all of the orphans from eastern Ukraine. I think I, I mentioned last year, all of a sudden, the, you know, the priest calls up and says, listen, can you help us? You know, we have, I was ready for 25 kids, now I have 50. And I'm going to have another 10, 15 uh, next week. So we ramped up and tried to send as quickly as many things for those. Uh, they left with just a close in the back. So all the year we've been we've been um, sending stuff over there. We have, uh, we've just, on our Facebook page, you can see, <coughs> excuse me, you can see the fourth container that we sent over there just arrived, and they were unloading it. Um, and the container after they unloaded, then they separate into the to the groupings. You know, there's medicine that goes to the medical hospital, which is far eastern Ukraine. Usually, there's the items that go to the orphanage, and then there's the stuff that goes to the to the people at the front lines. Can't say men anymore because, unfortunately, now many women have realized that they have to go out there to 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 support their uh, their families uh, to protect their families. So it's unfortunate that we had to do that, and all the and all of the things that people have donated to us have been so grateful. You know, I I. Uh, uh, you know, to cut that commercial specifically to, to thank everybody of the Southern Tier for all of their really generosity. And it's irregardless of um, uh, of religion, of race. Uh, people have been stepping up all over the place and helping out because, you know, you don't want this to happen here. And you see this, you see this tragedy of, of uh, man hurting man. Uh, you know, and that's the worst thing. You, natural tragedies, like unfortunately, what happened in Syria and Turkey, it's like okay, we can't control that. Right, things with could, earthquakes right. or hurricanes or tsunamis, yeah. and and when there is such loss of life. But the fact that when it comes to to wars, wars can be avoided. Sadly, we, and we look back over history, we know it's not not new. Uh, there have been 
um, conflicts be, uh, involving humans from from the beginning. That's yeah. unfortunately that's that's part of uh, the human condition. Right. There's good and bad, and there's uh, you know sometimes the the forces of evil can prevail for a time. And yet, the one thing is as tough as this is for people looking back over the past year and also looking ahead with with no immediate indication that the the hostilities are going to end what we do know is there's still reason for hope even after uh, a a lot of um, the uh, horrific loss of life and we've seen all the images of the suffering of people of all ages including children and very old people suffering in so many homes and buildings and and um really beautiful places in ukraine that were destroyed over the past year we can't give up hope that hopefully sooner rather than later uh, peace will ultimately prevail Yes, that's that's what we always hope. You know, um, we can never give up on that hope because it keeps us going forward. Uh, we recognize the inhumanity that uh, we do to ourselves, uh, that we can sometimes be our, our own worst enemies. But yet we recognize also the ability to be able to uh, do good. You know, step up and help other people, and that's we saw with the generosity of of the members of the Southern Tier. You know, the the various hospital organizations from uh, Arnett down in Elmira to Sarah uh, Guthrie, uh, of course, the two local ones, UHS and Ascension, that and and their their subsidiaries there with the doctors' offices have been so generous with their medicine, uh, and of course, the locals people have been showing up to the doors of the rectory and saying, "Here's a donation, use it as you see fit," uh, and of of course, we've always tried to be very uh, judicious with the money we use because we have recognized every dollar is important from the person who donated to us. All the, th- the church has never profited in any way from any of the donations. So everything we've, we've used has been either towards purchasing items to, to send to Ukraine or for shipping them. Uh, you know, nothing has gone in, into any of the coffers of anybody involved, uh, myself or, uh, you know, or the, or the parish members or the parish itself, you know. So it's, we're just thank, thankful, grateful to everybody that we have such a nice community that's willing to do this and step up and really help us a lot. It's 1025 on WNBF. Are you concerned now that after a year of the war that there is, um, among some people, a sense of fatigue setting in and, and some people, not that they, uh, no longer care, but maybe this is not not the uh, most urgent or highest priority uh, matter in their lives, and and just because this seems to be a, a prolonged and and at least at this moment never ending conflict, that um, that they may not be able or willing to provide the same level of support that they have over the last 12 months well obviously uh, for for each person their their families the needs of their families is always first you know uh, parents always would, uh, want the best for the children and look for what's needed for them and what they need to provide for their for their family for the best for them so uh, I make no um, no qualms about the fact that people will have to obviously think of that and when you see this you know, there's always an uh, initial outpouring of support, and then it starts to, starts to fade a little bit. But 
um, and, and people who call for um, uh, transparency for the money that the U.S. has been given, for the arms that have been given, I'm all for that because we have to be transparent. Like I said, every, uh, you know, people, oh, we put photographs on our Facebook page of us filling up the containers and of the containers being emptied out there. Uh, we have uh, thank yous from, uh, from to, the local, to the local people here, to local organizations from, from Ukraine as well because we have to have transparency. We have have to show that yes, you know, no one is is being uh, the money is not going sideways. And as a government, we have to be responsible because the government has to answer to us. You know, everybody who pays their taxes wants to know that the taxes are going towards something good. And if it's to help people to defend themselves, that's fine. But you want to make sure that it gets into their hands and to, uh, and rightfully so. Uh, there is a, there is a question for that, and that that has to be done. Unfortunately, we see that. You know, with large elements like this, sometimes uh, some money does go awry. Uh, but hopefully, you know, I can't respond to that. Uh, each person has to respond for their own uh, lives and for their own actions. I can only respond for what I do for uh, what we do at the, uh, the local level here. What did you think about this week's visit by President Biden to Ukraine when, when we saw those images of President Biden in Kiev? It was nice to see that. You know, it was very heartening. Um, a lot of Western leaders have gone there. And, of course, you know, the the main, the head of the West uh, is always the president of the United States. Uh, we serve, our country always serves as a bulwark of democracy, a bulwark of humanity, of, uh, of showing what you can do with freedom. Uh, we're not perfect. Uh, anyone who lives here in the U.S., uh, we live through our political system. We know we're, we're not perfect. But yet we know also we have the ability to change much more easily than say russia does any more even easily probably even ukraine but look at the president he came in the current president Zelensky. he was voted in uh, nobody expected a young untrained non-politician comedian tv tv star to just pop onto the scene i don't think he himself <laughs> the truth, i don't think he himself really expected that all of a sudden you know he becomes president and 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 he's thrusted this is thrusted upon him you know it's um uh it's just like anything else, you know. It's um, it was incredible to see that to walking down down you know through the through the uh, streets streets of Kiev, um, and to talk with the people and to see that and it's heartening to see that, um, and it's good to also to know that uh, we still command a response from the world. You know, he, the the the. Putin and the Russian authorities were told, informed several hours, by the way, we're going to be there, don't do anything, and they held their powder, and they didn't fire, because they knew it would, it would do something that they couldn't respond to. Uh, it would be it would be a disaster for them more so than anything else, and I think in a certain sense that's what they're really fearful of. They thought they could just roll over Ukraine because it's outside of NATO, because it's on the eastern portions of of Europe. Uh, so nobody cares who where this country is, what it does, and who is about because it's corrupt and it's that and the other thing. But I'm sorry. Well, the bottom line, I think, when it comes to wars, and you look back at, to the conflicts in our lifetime. Um, Sometimes it's easy to get into a war, but the exit strategy is difficult. It's difficult yeah. for for everybody involved. I mean, right. certainly the, the the primary parties have have their own specific issues, and in this case, as they say, that the country, the person who started this, um, they're facing a situation that certainly I I don't 
well, you can't read Putin's mind, but I can't right. believe that he would have gone forward with this, as he calls it, operation or whatever, a, a euphemism that he uses. I don't think he would have done this if he thought a year later. He was the, still be doing uh, it. Yeah. yeah I, and, you know, it's it, and it's taken a toll, of course, the biggest toll on the people in Ukraine, but also it's taken a toll on, on the people of Russia, too. Yeah. The innocent people in Russia who wanted no part of this. Right. I agree. Uh, and for for Ukraine, and, and no matter what, uh, politicians obviously will say their own thing. You'll hear people, politicians from uh, U.S., uh, both parties from outside of the U.S. saying, oh, well, something needs to be done. You guys need to come to a, uh, to an agreement. Well, Ukraine see an agreement that's, yeah, okay, we agree. We agree to get all of our territory that belongs to us back to us, and that's where it has, how it should be. And Russia, you know, like you said, he has to try and save face. Now, is that should we give him a piece of Ukraine? Ukrainians will say absolutely not. You know, if somebody came into your property and took a, a quarter of your property, would you say, okay, I'll, I'll let you keep an eighth of my property so that you'll leave me alone for the next ten years? What happens after ten years or so? You know, he's going to come back. What's he going to do? You know, and so it's it's it, if you look at it that way, would you give somebody your basement? that walked in, you know, they walked in and took the basement. Uh, you let them keep the garage, you let them keep the family room downstairs. Uh, you know, what, what would you do? Or would you say, no, I want my house back. Give me what belongs to me, for which I worked for, that belongs to me, and I, that's what I want. So that's, if you understand, look at it that way, that's exactly what Ukraine wants. We just want to be left alone. Leave us alone, but give us back what belongs to us. If people who are listening want to uh, help those in Ukraine through Sacred Heart Ukrainian Catholic Church, what's the best way they can do that? Well, I don't want to be a monopolizer either. So I say, you know, on our website, we have links to all the organizations that are helping in Ukraine. Obviously, Catholic Charities, if you want to help us, there's also St. John's Ukrainian Orthodox Church. There's the uh, First Ukrainian Pentecostal Church. There's the organization Together for Ukraine uh, that is a a civil organization. So any of us, we all uh, uh, do our own way helping different parts um, obviously, for me, if you want to come and help our church and help us out, you can obviously just you know uh, drop a donation off uh, or go through our website uh, with the PayPal and all that stuff that that agrees. Um, and if not, then you know, like I said, any of the other organizations in the area would be happy to help out. You want to help out with some of the refugee families? There are some places, some churches have already accepted them. Uh, they are here. We do have three or four families in our parish that have uh, that are refugee families and that were brought here and are uh, living. With, uh, with other people in the area. So we're very grateful to them for accepting them. Um, and, you know, thank you for letting me monopolize your time. It took, you know, a, a nice good half-hour chunk of your of your hour of the Binghamton show, which I love to listen to. It's always good to have you go back and forth. And, and, hope, and I'll make sure I stand between you and the corporate overlords. Well, you know, we, we've always gotten along well in the past, and I trust we'll continue to have... Uh, uh, a good understanding of of our respective roles. I have. Yes. I I will be back here Monday, folks. Don't worry about a thing. <laughs> Father Theodore Chabala, pastor of Sacred Heart Ukrainian Catholic Church in Johnson City. Thank you so much. Keep in touch. Thank you so much for having me on. It's ten thirty three. This is Bob Joseph live in Living Color on WNBF. Wait. Bob 
Joseph Live, WNBF. Number to call is 607-772-1290. If you would like to talk on this Friday morning. Ten thirty-eight WNBF WNBF.com station that keeps you informed seven days a week. And of course, interesting stories on the website, WNBF.com. Well, there's a story now. It says Daylight Saving Time. This question New York is getting rid of daylight saving time in twenty twenty three, right? Check out that story. There's a good question. Are they finally getting rid of daylight saving time? A shocking expose at WNBF.com. It's also that story about Governor Hochul criticizing Congressman George Santos for backing a measure that would designate the AR-15 rifle as the national gun of the United States. So you can check out that story as well at WNBF.com. And we now go back to the phones at 1039. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, good morning, Bob. It's Dave from Vestal, and I apologize. That was me. Uh, oh, yeah, phone. I thought I for some you. reason I thought somebody <laughs> from one of the bars on State Street got hold of a phone. <laughs> no, no. Hey, reason why I called, Bob, uh, yesterday you and I spoke, and um, you, you were insinuating, but Trump going to Ohio there, you, you were insinuating uh, he went there more for votes or the backdrop, politics basically, than him just caring about the people. Uh, I have a question for you. Uh, Would you be willing to say the same about Biden going to Ukraine? Same thing? All politicians politish. So, um, and I I think that's to be expected as far as motivations. You know, only, only... the politician knows for sure. As far as Trump, I, by the way, I, it wasn't like it was hinting at, at Trump going just strictly for um, political convenience and also because of his desperate need to be the, in the spotlight, uh, especially since he doesn't use Twitter anymore. He, um, he has an ego. He has a huge, huge ego. If he had a radio station, it would be called WEGO, the Big E, and um, and it would be a, a a billion watts, billions and billions of watts, and it would have only the best programming. But big uh, e. we 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 had a big E. Yes, Bob. we did. <laughs> yes, we did. That's that's why that's why I mentioned that because I I have a special place in my heart for the Big E at nine oh nine East Main Street. That's that's when I was able to spin the stacks of wax, especially when they let me go up on the on the hill up at the transmitter. 
during the summer and, and, and run mm-hmm. run the show from 7 p.m. to 1 a.m.? Oh, you, those were the glory days. Yeah, I remember those days, back. Bob, when I was younger, that yeah, was nice. Oh, hey, my gosh. But, you know what? So you, so you admit... Um, a lot of Biden going over there could be optics, right? Well, it could be. You admit that, right? Could oh, be. Oh, it could All be. Right. I, you know, on the because I, I think on Monday, after the word of the surprise visit to Ukraine uh, came out, I, I believe I said that's a, as clear an indication that we can get that Biden does intend to run for a second term. As you know, I I have been saying in recent months, I don't think there's a chance in heck that uh, Mr. Biden will want another four years at the job. But the fact that he went to all that trouble and expense to get to Ukraine on Monday for his visit with the uh, president of Ukraine, I guess that's all the evidence we need that he is planning to run for re-election. It certainly looks that way. Hey, back to Ohio for a second, Bob. Um, do, do you believe that the reason why Biden's response has been so slow? I mean, he could have went to Ohio before he went to Ukraine. Take care of business home first. He could have went. Do you believe it's possible he ignored those people because they didn't vote for him? They're not Democrat voters over there, Bob. Who is knows? It I, I, well, is it possible? Yeah, it's possible. Just like it's possible that the roads in Tioga County are in such bad shape because the people of Tioga County keep voting for Republicans. Now, I, I can't. No, I'm serious. I can't prove it. But why is it as soon as you get into Tioga County on 17 or 17C or 434, you can automatically tell the difference? Not so much on 17C because they. They not too long ago actually thought the road conditions were so bad that they repaved a couple of miles. But but look at the conditions on 17 and 434. That's that's all the proof you need that Democratic and Republican counties in New York are treated differently when it comes to infrastructure. I do see that, Bob. I can see, I can agree with you on that. You can see a difference. I mean, <laughs> oh, we can get into that. It, it drives me crazy what goes on with the roads, but they we pay workers to haphazardly fill potholes like now, and then first time a plow goes over it, it's open back up. I mean, it's just just a waste of time and money. We got to rip them up and redo them, Bob. It's the only way. Well, the only it, way. but they don't. They, they either don't understand that. And by the way, the DOT understands it. I'm talking about the. The politicians who allocate resources, clearly the people at the Department of Transportation from top to bottom, well, I'm not so sure about the the person, the commissioner, uh, whether the commissioner fully understands, but everybody else at DOT who's not a political appointee understands the proper way to maintain roads. But they certainly can't come on this program and say, oh, I think the way Kathy Hochul or the way Andrew Cuomo or Elliot Spritzer, the way they uh, handled funding for projects in this Binghamton region was was inappropriate. If they did that, they'd lose their job. Funny how politics get in the way of our uh, of our lives. We just, we just want to live our lives comfortably, Bob. It, problems taken care of because we pay our taxes, but politics get in the way of everything. Drives me crazy. Well, it doesn't drive me crazy. I mean, it's inevitable that that politics will be part of 
of almost everything. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. In theory, in theory, it should actually work better. It should, in the end, in the grand scheme of things, even though there there will be people who tend to reward their friends and reward friendly voters, in the end, it still should work out well for 20 million New Yorkers, just the way it's been working in my lifetime. It's, uh, I mean, clearly, clearly uh, changes need to be made. But, you know, will the Democrats, who now have a stranglehold on, on things in Albany, the legislature and the governor and the controller's office and the attorney general's office, will they suddenly decide one morning that, you know, People who aren't Democrats and people who don't vote for us all the time, they're New Yorkers, too, and they they deserve some compassion, and they deserve nice roads, and they deserve good things. You know, they're they're not actually bad people. Right. But what, too, Bob, what about... What about money and not going to where it's been appropriated for? How about years ago when we first started the lottery in New York State? All oh, the schools are going to make out fine. Everything's going to be well, great. Don't, get, don't know, get me started on that. The program ends yeah. in just over an hour. You don't, you don't want to go there, man. Anyway, I appreciate your call. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. 1047. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF. On the other hand, in my opinion, Governor Kathy Hochul certainly... has been elected to her first four-year term. So there is that. It's 1047. Please to call it as I see it. Right here at News Radio, WNBF 921 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Captain Ride. There. <laughs> There's a spoiler for you at 1050. Bob Joseph on WNBF and WNBF.com. What else is going on in the wacky world of news? Well, let me see. I did see something strange. <laughs> eh. This is strange, and I'm not saying that it's unique to this school because I suspect, I suspect, some of this thing type of thing is going on right here 
in Broome County, but I can't prove it because nobody has come forward with uh, the videos yet. But there is a story in the Times Union today about the fights, violent fights among students at some place called Hudson Junior Senior High School. Hudson Junior Senior High School, home of the Blue Hawks. And so somebody turned over some videos over to the Times Union of um, just students running amok. They uh, say in the headline, Anarchy in the Bathrooms. Well, there may have been anarchy in the bathrooms at Binghamton High School. Remember several months ago when suddenly the edict was announced that the bathrooms, I believe the bathrooms on two floors at Binghamton High School are being shut down. Now, the school district has you might expect, never said it was anarchy in the bathrooms, but they never said precisely what was going on in the bathrooms. So um, in the case of this Hudson Junior Senior High School, the um, fights, the fight videos, apparently somebody gave the Times Union at least uh, 10 fight videos, and it's just nasty. It, it shows girls punching each other in the head, ripping hair as they knock into chairs and tables. The story says a school employee tried to intervene but appeared to be overwhelmed after retreating as the two teenagers continued to beat each other. Then the video shows a third girl at first looking like she was trying to break up the fight. And then she starts delivering smacks to the head and face of one girl. According to the Times Union, it has videos that show fights at this school in the Hudson Valley. And according to this story, parents said the fights at that school have become more frequent since the students returned to in-person education in the fall of 2021. Accompanied by a rise in bullying and a disregard for teachers' authority. Now, that description sounds very similar to the reports we received, say, about a year ago from Binghamton High School. Remember how bad things got at Binghamton High School that they just, they gave up at one point. They gave up. They just shut it down. They needed a reset because things were spiraling out of control. You had uh, teenagers involved in a shootout near the school that one day, as far as I know. Nobody involved in the shootout was ever charged with anything. And, um, yeah. Now, as far as what truly goes on in schools today, in Broome and Tioga counties, it's top secret. It's top secret, for the most part. Now, sometimes there are some enlightened administrators who will discuss a bit about what happens in their schools. They're reluctant, but they also understand that some information is, can be helpful. Some administrators won't talk about it at all to anyone, not even their significant others. They're sworn to secrecy. They're afraid that if the truth comes out, parents and residents would be disturbed. So that's why they keep a lid on That's why what goes on in many schools around here stays in the schools. It's like Las Vegas. What goes on in a certain school around here stays within that school. And you know 
there could be serious consequences if someone is caught talking with a journalist about what happens in their school. Could they be fired? Maybe they could. It might be hard because maybe their union would protect them. But would there be consequences if someone with direct knowledge of what's going on in some of our schools, if they came to a reporter and told the truth or provided videos? Yeah, there, I think there would be swift retribution. That's why they managed to keep so much of what is going on in our schools at this very hour at 10.55. The secrecy persists. And that is the way they like it. Bob Joseph Live, WNBF. News Radio 'Troubled Southern Tier. Another hour of the program is just around the corner. Bob Joseph live on a Friday morning. WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, February 24th. You're listening to WNBF. Binghamton City attorneys showed up with police officers and garbage trucks to clean up a home that had become a neighborhood nuisance. The house at 314 Prospect Street in the First Ward had been targeted under the city's lockdown law after a man was shot there. Representatives of the Binghamton's Corporation Council's office were accompanied by police and trash crews when they visited the home around 12.45 p.m. Thursday. Police called for more officers a short time later when they encountered some resistance. Neighbors applauded as public works employees loaded garbage and old furniture into a couple of waiting trucks. One man watching the spectacle from across the street said, it's about time. Entrances to the building were being boarded up as some of the trash was removed. Mayor Jared Cram last September said a warning letter had been sent to the owner of the Prospect Street property because it had been deemed a public nuisance. At the time, the mayor said the owner had 30 days to submit a corrective action plan to the city to address the problems. If the issues weren't addressed, the city could go to court to seek a temporary closing of the premises. In an email to WMBF News Thursday, Cram said the property owners were being served a preliminary injunction. A city court hearing on the proposed lockdown is scheduled for March 6th. The mayor said this is the latest step in the city prosecuting the property owners following the lockdown warning. He said if the city is successful at next month's hearing, the property will be locked down. The city has used the lockdown law sparingly over the last decade. It's generally been employed for nightclubs or after-hours establishments following ongoing criminal activity. New York Governor Kathy Hochul has criticized Congressman George Santos for backing a measure that would designate the AR-15 rifle as the national gun of the United States. Santos, who represents a Long Island district, is co-sponsoring the bill with fellow Republicans Andrew Clyde of Georgia and Lauren Boebert of Colorado. In a statement released Thursday, Hochul said it is outrageous and appalling that Santos would attach his name to the legislation. Hochul said this weapon of war has been used in mass shootings across the country, including at a top supermarket in Buffalo, where the shooter used a modified AR-15 to murder 10 people in a despicable act of white supremacist terror. 
Authorities said 18-year-old Peyton Gendron of Conklin brought the semi-automatic Bushmaster XM-15 rifle at an Endicott gun shop. The proposed legislation, supported by Santos, would declare an AR-15-style rifle chambered in a 223 Remington round or a 5.56 by 45 millimeter NATO round, the national gun. Hochul said the bill, which attempts to glorify the weapons that often have been used in mass shootings, adds unforgivable insult to injury for those who have lost loved ones to such violence. The Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force executed a search warrant at 383 Cobb Road in the town of Maine. As a result of the search, law enforcement officers seized over $10,000 in methamphetamine and a number of weapons, including illegal pistols and rifles, high-capacity magazines, and ammunition. As a result of the investigation, 32-year-old Corey Dixon from the town of Maine was charged with criminal possession of a controlled substance in the second degree, two counts of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree, three counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the second degree, nine counts of criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, criminal possession of stolen property in the fourth degree, and criminally using drug paraphernalia in the second degree. Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar stated this case is another remarkable victory for the collective teamwork of our local law enforcement agencies. Getting dangerous narcotics and illegal weapons out of circulation is key to building a safer future for our families. And I applaud the detectives and officers for all their hard work getting it done for our community. On Wednesday, New York State approved a measure to lower the hourly threshold for farm workers to qualify for overtime pay to 40 hours in 2032. The hourly threshold for farm workers in New York to start receiving overtime pay will be lowered from 60 hours per week to 40 hours per week by 2032. Beginning in 2024, the threshold will be lowered to 56 hours per week before receiving overtime pay. The threshold will continue to decrease over the years until it reaches 40 hours per week by 2032. Roberta Reardon, New York State Department of Labor Commissioner, said it would ensure equity for farm workers who are the very backbone of our agricultural sector. Following the finalization of the change, State Senate GOP leader Rob Ort stated our family farmers are already struggling with skyrocketing inflation, high unemployment insurance taxes, and a severe worker shortage. This is one more burdensome mandate passed on by unelected bureaucrats that will cause more harm. Farm owners have fought back against the measure over recent months, claiming that lowering the overtime pay threshold will threaten family farms by driving up labor costs. New York plans to counteract the negative economic impact the new overtime hours threshold could have on New York farmers by expanding tax credits for farmers as part of Governor Kathy Hochul's budget plan. Farm owners would be able to receive a tax credit of $1,200 per employee and a refundable overtime tax credit was established to help farm employers pay the increased overtime hourly wages. A man riding in a car with his cousin shot and killed another passenger, then returned to the same neighborhood near Orlando hours later and shot four more people, killing a journalist covering the original shooting and a nine-year-old girl. Orange County Sheriff John Mina characterized the shootings Wednesday as random acts of violence. Mina said during a news conference Thursday that 19-year-old Keith Melvin Moses has been arrested and charged with first-degree murder in the initial shooting that killed 38-year-old Natasha Augustin and that numerous more charges would follow. Spectrum News 13 identified the slain reporter as Dylan Lyons. Authorities say the gunman also killed Tyona Major and critically wounded her mother at a nearby home. The White House is calling on congressional Republicans to increase the fines levied on rail companies for safety violations in the wake of the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. There are still safety and health concerns among residents in the village after dozens of train cars being pulled by Norfolk Southern went off the tracks on February 3rd and released chemicals into the area. 
The White House says that the highest fine that can be charged to companies for violations involving the transportation of hazardous material is $225,455. That's less than 1% of Norfolk Southern's profits last year of $3.27 billion. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, chance of snow showers mainly before noon. Mostly cloudy with temperatures falling to around 21 degrees by 5 p.m. Wind gusts as high as 33 miles per hour, a 30% chance of rain. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a low near 14. Tomorrow, chance of snow showers. Cloudy with a high near 33 degrees, a 40% chance of rain. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy with a low near 20 degrees. Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 46. And Sunday night, mostly cloudy, a low near 24 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Well, we're about to wrap up another fantastic week of radio here in Binghamton and beyond. I look forward to chatting with you. If you have some thoughts, you can share them with me and those in the radio universe if you call 607-772-1290. This is Bob Joseph, the person who actually will answer the phone for you at WNBF. Well, it is Friday the 24th, and that means only 10 shopping months left, so if you have to buy some gifts you have only 10 months left so you better get going i'm gonna put up the holiday decorations over the weekend and of course holiday sales will get underway monday at your favorite retail complex you can never you can never shop too early in my opinion does everyone really think that joe biden will run for a a second term i know i keep bringing this up and nobody really wants to engage on this i still even though he did go to ukraine he showed up in kiev on monday in that surprise visit i just don't think he's gonna run i think i think he's going through all the motions to give people the impression that he plans to seek four more years in the White House, I don't think that he'll do it. I don't think that he really wants to do it. Why would he? Why would he want four more years of grief? He's already put up with more than two years of grief, 25 months of incessant bickering, criticism, sometimes deserved criticism, but still... I would say at the end of his term, which he won, you know, in November 2020. There's no doubt about that. So January 20th, 2025, at 11.59 a.m., he can say, job well done, and then get on with his life. He'll be set. 
He'll be set. Former presidents have it made in the shade. They get lots of money for themselves, for their family, free health care, money for libraries, and so on. He can develop the Joe Biden Center here at the corner of Court and State in Binghamton. We finally have found an appropriate use for that parcel. The Joe Biden Presidential Center. Everybody assumes that it's going to be in Scranton. Won't the folks in the electric city be shocked when they find out Joe Biden chose that parcel at the corner of Court and State for his presidential center? And you're like, well, why did he choose Binghamton over Scranton? And the people of the parlor city would say, we know why. He made the right choice. 11.15, this is Bob Joseph WNBF on your Friday. Let's take a call, shall we? Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. This is Selena from Binghamton. I apologize for yesterday's call dropout. My battery went dead. Well, you should get one of those new batteries that the kids are making down in Endicott. They've got new... (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny if they set up a retail store so you could get... Like, um, like say, at, at, at the candy company down in Altoona, Boyer Brothers Candy, they have an outlet <laughs> store. So the Imperium they 3... Those, they, they could use those lithium-ion yeah. batteries as heaters yes. instead of space heaters. Yeah, you need, you need a battery. They could call it Imperium 3 uh, Outlet. And so the people of Endicott we, and Triple Cities, we could go there and we could get, say, a battery that normally would cost 40 bucks. We could get it for, like, four ninety nine. Yeah, four ninety nine plus tax and deposit. You know what they could do? Radio Shack used to have this thing, Battery of the Month Club. If, yeah. if, you, if you went to Radio Shack, they would give you a card and you could get I still a battery. Have that card. Yeah. Radio Shack member. Well, maybe main they'll... Re- main reason why I called, right? Yeah. I have a question for you. Does not the Constitution of the United States of America allow freedom of the press? Whatever happened with that? <laughs> no, that's that was just something they put in, you know, just for for giggles. You, you can get arrested just for reporting. <laughs> yes, you can. Look at that reporter in in uh, Ohio. Yeah, I, w- I heard you talking about it earlier. That's yeah, what call, but you know, did he ever get an apology from the Ohio National Guard? No. Did he ever get an apology from the law enforcement people who pushed him down in no. the entranceway? What kind of what kind of a country would do that to a reporter? Yeah, no, no, no. Your problem, your problem, your problem. Yeah. Live <laughs> shots are illegal in America. Yeah, whatever happened to the Constitution of the United States of America? <laughs> Where is it? It's, Where is it? Yeah, yeah it's it. You you could go. There are probably a couple places that have it on display, and then <laughs> beneath the display it says, "These are guidelines only. These are suggestions. They are not meant to be taken seriously oh, by okay. the Ohio National Guard or by <laughs> the people from the East Palestine Police Department." Come on, man! Oh, you know, did did they ever? Apo- they never. You're just supposed to stare at it. Exactly. They never apologize to that journalist. No, never. Never. I wonder no, if, you know what? Oh, they think it's your problem. It's your problem. I'm not apologizing. Yeah, I wonder if he has an attorney. He's probably got about 20 of them, but well, they don't do anything either. Well, that's true. They're probably afraid to sue because you can't sue the government. No, you can't. No, there will be... They'll put you in your place so mm-hmm. fast your head will spin. That's, that's why they keep special cells on hand for for troublemakers like that. 
You know, next time, next time somebody does a live shot around here, they better pre- be prepared to be hauled in. Oh, and pushed to the ground first because he he represented such a risk. That reporter yeah, represented such a I tremendous know, risk. Oh, he's public safety hazard and a flight risk. Oh, yeah. And obstructing governmental administration and disorderly conduct. Governmental administration, you're exactly 110% correct. Hey, I hope you have a good weekend. You too. Have a safe weekend. Winds are going to start kicking after two, so I know. I'm going to wear my hat. (laughs) I love you, Bob. (laughs) Bye bye. Thanks. 1119 WNBF. The station that truly does care about journalists. Oh, and about all Americans. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yes, good morning. Bob, this is Vinny from Binghamton. And I'd like to uh, say that, uh, you know, I'll continue what I've said all along now. I, I think that Joe Biden is going to be running again. Um, well, it's certainly, it's certainly his right. Yeah. You know, he has every well, I, right to run again. I'm just saying, say, if I were a close friend of his, and by the way, I'm not, and I've never spoken with him, and I probably never will have that opportunity. But say, say if he called me just tonight after uh, uh-huh. Action News, say at 6.30, uh-huh. if he called me right after Action News, I'd have to hang up on him. I'd say first, do you realize it's 6.30? I'm going to watch Nora O'Donnell. Can you call back after Nora O'Donnell's CBS News caravan is over? And he'd be like, but, Bob, this is President Biden. Don't you want to talk to me? I do. But let me watch the CBS News caravan, and you call at 6.59 if it's something important, and then we can talk. <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course I would take his call. I would, oh, I, I would take I, I, his I call so fast it would make my head spin. Oh, I know you would. But, I mean, just seeing, you know, sometimes you just just watch these politicians and understand where they come from and where they want to go. Joe Biden just reminds me of a guy that, no, you're not, no, coach, you're not pulling me out in the beginning of the fourth quarter. I'm staying in because I've been here a long time. You know, as far as taking grief, listen, these guys are, this is Mickey Mouse. I came to the time when there was like the Dan Rathers and the Mike Wallace's and the Sam Donaldson. Those guys were tough. These young children that they have there now asking these stupid questions and laughing and no, 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 that's not. I just ignore them. Well, I'm not talking about them. getting flack from reporters. I'm talking about getting flack from some of these Republicans. I mean, George Santos oh. is constantly criticizing him. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about, Bob. Look at them. <laughs> you got you, you got you got a guy in the house that had to go up 15 votes. Just barely got in there. You've got the fighting. You got the one guy that's the, the, who went after um, um, uh, what's his name? The, the get. He was going to snap him in half. Oh, they had to hold him back there. You've got um, and you got uh, Mar- Marjorie Green. Good God, I'd love to see what district she's from. What huh. the heck? Of course. You know, I mean, but that's just, okay. That's what makes America truly great. That we have it, we have people who support her. And we have people who support AOC. I mean, it's a great country. We have people. We have people who support uh, other members of the squad, and we have people who who support um, who is that other uh, guy oh, d- down in Florida, Matt uh, Gates, sir. Yeah, Gates. Gates. Yeah, Gates. Gates. So, I mean, it's a great country. We have fifty great states, or as. Barack Obama thought 57 great states, but whatever. 
you know, however many. I mean, we have dozen. We'll just say we have several dozen great states, and, and there's room there, in this country. <laughs> uh-huh. There's room for George Santos and George Stephanopoulos and George Soros. You know, that's what makes America great by George. Oh, oh okay. But that, that's true. But then again, if we if we can kind of like tear in the microscope, let's get a little bit more focused about who are what's moving this country, what's making the laws of this country, whether it's the Supreme Court or the appellate court or this and that. That's where you get the focus. And do these people really want to be there to get something done? Or do these people want to sit there and just go all way out of the way and talk about nonsense and, and, and diversions and all this kind of stuff? Like I said, you know, you've got a Republican Party that wants to investigate basically themselves. Well, they should start with George Santos. And what does he tell them? <laughs> I ain't going anywhere. Let's see you guys try to remove me. There you go. So that's just what Well, at this point, you know, he's he's been... Uh, in Congress now for several weeks. I guess at this point, unless the people of his district truly rise up and take action, I'm I'm basically at the point. Hey, let let him and his politics of victimization. He's trying to portray himself as the victim. He was complaining. He was on some sort of interview with another fine person. I won't name, oh, Piers Morgan. So he's telling Piers Morgan that he's uncomfortable with his fame. He said, I can't stand it. He said, I don't get the same courtesy that everyone else does. He identified himself as one of those people who, this is a quote from his interview, who are thrown into the fire pit and the media and everyone else around them are hell-bound on making sure that person's life is hell. And that's what he said on the interview. That's George Santos. And I'm sorry, Mr. Santos, if you call me, I'll explain this to you in a calm voice. Your problems, as they stand right now, are all your own fault. Now, I feel badly that you have this, to be blunt, character flaw where you lie more than the average American, a heck of a lot more. Every American lies. We'll stipulate that. But most Americans can't come close to the record set by George Santos over the last five years. Well, true. Or even five minutes. I mean, he probably lies more in five minutes than the average American lies in 50 years. Right. You know, he probably lies in his sleep. Right. That's true. But, you know, the thing that's going to be great, I I predict this, too, I kind of see it coming, is um, unless the government comes down and finds a lot of stuff and penalizes uh, Donald Trump, this guy isn't going anywhere. And there's a well, lot of course he's not mind. going anywhere. But, but He ain't going anywhere, except he'll probably be back in East Palestine to have a late show tonight. He'll probably be doing a midnight show and uh, selling uh, Trump vodka to the, uh, the people who were evacuated from their homes in East Palestine just because he cares. Well, I just hope, and it seems like that's what's going on right now, is the Democrats' leadership just, just take a step back when it comes to Donald Trump. You let the Republican Party take care of him, because there's a lot of them that want him out of there. I mean, Nikki, Nikki Haley, that is the biggest joke. That is so funny. Can you imagine those two debating in the Republican debates? He's gonna, Trump's going to turn over and look at her and say, what, what, what are you talking about? 
I hired you. You were in my administration. And look at you now. Oh, he will peel her apart. Well, the ratings will be good. I'll watch. I will watch. I I promise to watch that. And DeSantis, oh, that's the one. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to run, Bob. Really? DeSantis? Why? I don't think he's going to run. He's going to wait. You watch. Oh, till uh, Trump Trump yep. is no longer on the stage. Well, I I wouldn't blame him. Absolutely. DeSantis Absolutely. is a is a fairly young lad, so I believe. Yep. How old is yep. he? What's, he won't run. What is DeSantis? What is he like? Thirty eight. Yeah, he might be forties or something. Let me look like it up. I, I'd say he's. Yep. I mean, he's a little older than George Santos. Santos is only thirty four. No, ah, come on, be nice. His, his term, he's gone. They Let's see. Uh, so DeSantis, according to the internet, is forty-four. By the way, his middle yeah. name is Dion. Oh, jeez. So there. <laughs> all right. Well, we all learned okay. something. Have a good weekend. All right. You too, Bob. Thanks. <laughs> Eleven twenty-seven. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? According to whose internet, Mister <laughs> DJ from Binghamton. DJ from Binghamton. What's up? According to. Uh, Al Gore's internet, my formerly nicotine-stained fingers, as our loving Rush Limbaugh would say, dial your number. Hey, listen, here's why Joe Biden's going to run. I actually am on my way to uh, administer the Bible study, and I, that's how important you are, Bob. I stopped to call you. He's going to run because of his pride, his pride. He's not going to step down. Pride causes a lot of people. You ever notice yet you have to call guys pastor? You have to call them doctor? You have to... Titles minister to your pride. He's the president. Dr. Dr. Jill Biden. I love it. Dr. Jill Biden. Don't you love that? If I don't call her doctor, one of the Secret Service agents will put me in handcuffs and take me in the back room. Reminds me of Dr. Dr. Demento. (laughs) There you go. Radio. Yeah, radio host. Weird Al Yankovic. You You know who else is like that? Kissinger. When Kissinger was over it, it was still SUNY Binghamton back in the day. He was no longer Secretary of War. But he, um, when he he, uh, decided that he would hold one of those uh, highly popular 10-minute news conferences, but one of the the, um, people there, I, I think it was somebody from the university, said to the assembled multitude, the local reporters, uh, something to the effect, now, when you refer to him, you must refer to him as Dr. Kissinger. And exactly. I I think I said, exactly. what, I can't call him Hank? <laughs> it's like, come on, man, who, he's not any, look, he's, he's as good as I am. He, you know, That's if, right. if, if. If he wanted to call me Robert Joseph, that would be fine. If I called him Hank, that should be fine. We're both great Americans. I personally, I think, and I'm being humble here, I think I've done a lot more for the country than he ever did. So, again, there's my trademark oh, humility. Someone else. Sorry. Hey, Bob, check well, this out real quick. Yeah. Even as a younger man, well, I, I started to learn that when I was around 30 because a lot of these young pastors around want you to call them pastor and they're like 30. And I was an egotistical, prideful pastor at 30, and I, and I realized. So I went to India, and I preached for five weeks, and I taught in the Holy Spirit. And this pastor, Dr. Prakash, he had like 300 churches under him who I preached for. And he said to me, I've never heard such a good teaching on the Holy Spirit. We want to give you a doctorate. And do you know I passed it over? I basically said no by not acting upon it because I know that it's just a piece of paper. You can call me Dr. 
Douglas Jacob. That's my. That's why I go by DJ Douglas Jacob. Till the cows come home. What does that do? If I don't have an anointing, I'm nothing. It's not your title. It's are you walking in the power of the Spirit? And that's that's what. So President Trump, he's not walking. Well, I'm not going to put him down, but he's not walking in the power of the presidency. He's had, as Rob from Port Crane pointed out, thank you very much, and I Googled it, he's had brain aneurysms taken out, and I'm not making fun of him. That's why he walks, in, and it, someone said he shakes like tardif dyskinesia. That's because whenever they mess with your brain, Bob, don't let them cut up your head open. When they do that, stuff will start shaking. Your hand will start shaking. Yeah. You can develop. No, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't have any concerns about about his physical health or, or even his mental health i, I mean he, he's great no i think he's do fabulous think that, do you think that putin you think he's fabulous do you think that putin <laughs> and i know you're acting right now i know you're acting I know you, i'm trying Joseph. to get a rise out I of people you, trying to see how many cars no no dj dj i'm trying to see how many cars can smash into poles on the parkway it'd be like suddenly festival police get you know within the next 30 seconds yeah we have a, a a car into a pole over at the parkway in jensen road oh we have a car right. into a pole at uh, parkway right. and sycamore oh we have a car, three cars into poles over at, at the parkway poles? Why because they're, they're listening the to that Bob Joseph. Hey, that movie's out today, you guys. Go right. see the Jesus Revolution. It's in theaters. All right. Hey, okay, have Bob. a good weekend. Be, but please, I will. Please, I always do. Make sure you think. make sure you bring fifty bucks so you can have one of those large popcorns. Oh, God. I know. Smuggle yours in is in a bag. Uh, no, I don't do kid. that. No, I I know it's tempting to smuggle in and evade the the uh, concessionary, the, the confiscatory concessionary fees. But I, I, I will, if I, if I want food at a movie theater, I'll go buy food. I understand it's part of their business model, and I respect it. If I can't afford 50 bucks for a large popcorn, then I'll just... Go with the medium for 35 bucks. It's not that bad. It's only money. It's 11.32. More calls coming up on a Friday morning with Brother Bob Joseph on WNBF. Oh, brother. <laughs> News Radio 1135, Bob Joseph live on a Friday, WNBF. Martin in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Yeah, good morning. Thank you. Hey, did you uh, happen to see, um, you know, even though Trump did go to Ohio, but what the bizarre statement he's made, uh, Stephen Colbert showed it several times, basically verbatim, uh, you know, bad things happen in life, but it's a good thing that nothing really bad happened here. I mean, what what qualifies as something bad for that guy? I mean, well, first of all, <laughs> let's stipulate billionaires always live in places where nothing bad is likely to happen. Now, I will say Mar-a-Lago, although it's um, an isolated and gated community where people like you and me have no chance of ever um, getting in, unless we pay lots of money, of course, um, but but billionaires are pretty much insulated from most bad things. Now, Mar-a-Lago, of course, is potentially in the eye of future hurricanes, but that's about it. Uh, there's nothing that will save Mar-a-Lago or that part of Florida from hurricane damage in the future. You just don't know. As far as 
having to worry about uh, chemical disasters or other issues. Uh, billionaires or purported billionaires, I'll say, a guy who claims to be a billionaire, he doesn't have to worry about real trouble. And and he can't. Does, does uh, that guy, the Florida guy now, does he have even one molecule of empathy in him? Oh, absolutely not. And also he... Uh, also, he's the one that um, pulled back um, some uh, bills for the railroad to, uh, you know, because it was all about the braking systems. They were supposed to put in some pneumatic braking systems, but they were uh, going to cost some money, you know. So he he rescinded on that for the people, um, and, you know. But the other piece I called in about is just unbelievable about the AR-15 to make it our gun. I mean, are any other Republicans, anybody, has anybody stood up by noon on the news? Will there be other Republicans saying, this is bizarre, we can't do this? Speaking of empathy, what about the hundreds of people and the poor little six-year-old children that got slaughtered by this? And, that you know, that gun was pulled, I think it was um, Clinton pulled that off, and then it was reinstated by George W. Bush. I mean, so, you know, somebody in, in their right mind realized that that gun was uh, a weapon of war, and but and, and this is Santos. Well, listen I mean, to what's, what listen to what Congressman Santos had to say because he uh, he did hear some criticism, and uh, so he was asked about his decision to sponsor this measure or co-sponsor the measure that would make the famous AR-15 rifle the national gun of the USA today. This is a gun manufactured in the United States, creates jobs in the United States. It's a made-in-America gun. And, I mean, we have national everything, but why not have a national gun? It's, 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 it, it saves as much lives on a daily basis. Uh, it saves lives on a daily basis, and it's not reported. And I think it's, it's good to, to have that contrast. Really? Yeah, it's good to have that contrast. That's what he said. Really, where where the hell is he pulling that out of? I don't know, but he better not say something like that on Buffalo's West Side, or on Sandy Hook, or anywhere else across the United States. Right? I mean, it's just you know, I happened to stop in the local store around the corner last Friday night, and some kids were coming out, and I was making a joke about Goodfellas, and that guy, you know, countered me about you know that's uh, what are you? You're a funny guy, a real funny guy, blah blah blah, whatever. And I just said, yeah, that's a great movie, but. Uh, you know, I go, hey, about your generation, man, I go, I'm, I'm just so glad I grew up when I did. I'm glad I didn't have this cell phones. I'm glad I didn't have this violence. You guys can't go anywhere. You can't go to shows. You can't go to movies. You can't go to concerts. Anywhere you go, you have to be on guard. The mall, grocery stores. I mean, it's just really disgusting. And and it's, and it's what's the weapon behind that? It's that AR-15. So... We'll see over the weekend what happens, and maybe you can find that clip about what Trump said because um, it was it's just hilarious. Then. Yeah, I had not heard that. I'll look for that. Yeah. Okay, right. Bob. Thank you. Have a nice weekend. You yeah. too. It's eleven forty at WNBF. Jerry from Conklin. Good morning. You're on the air. Eleven forty one. WNBF. Jerry from Conklin. <laughs> I think he's taking an early lunch. Still time for you to get in if you're quick. I mean quick because the second seconds are ticking away. Tick, 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 tick. 
Sounds like 60 minutes. I only have a few minutes left. 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph, your radio buddy on WNBF. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. I'm Mark. Eleven forty-three. Larry and Kirkwood. Good morning. You're on the air. Ah, oh, yes. News, you news, Jerry. <laughs> That's right. You know he went out to lunch early, but he doesn't have the delightful treat of being on the air talking with America's most humble radio person. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, let's talk about the last caller you had. What a knucklehead. Ugh, hey, believe. no name calling. Well, call it as I say. Well, you can say what what you think about an opinion. You don't have to call names. I mean that that sounds almost presidential. If you're a guy who hands out red and white hats made in China, come on, man. But anyway, I would really love to hear that interview that Trump had with uh, he had it with Colbert. Did he say? I. Don't know. I don't really want to hear any more of him. I really, I you know, I'm trumped out. There, I said it. <laughs> well, and do he just just let just what all liberals do? They just try and make things sound worse than they are. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more than what Trump said about that situation than what this guy was saying that he said. I mean, it's ridiculous to, to to say that Trump doesn't have any empathy for the people of Palestine. I mean, of course he does. I mean, why would he why would he act otherwise about it? It's not a person in this country that doesn't sympathize with those poor people over there, you know? It's it's pretty tragic what happened there. It's so, terrible. It's it's uh, it's a it's a darn shame. Have they gotten anywhere finding out what caused that thing? That yeah, happened? yeah, well, um, something overheated, and apparently, um, the the part the uh, part on one of the cars that overheated. They have sensors, and the way the sensor was set, it didn't um, sound an alarm until it was too late. the The people who were running the train tried to stop it because they did get a sensor that there was a fire on one of those, um, I don't know if it was a wheel or something, whatever it is. I'm I'm not a rail expert. But, yeah, something overheated, and when they tried to stop the train, it was just too late, and then the derailment happened. Hmm. So? I thought I'd, I'd, I'd seen something a long time ago about how strong trains are made for... The ones that handle hazardous chemicals. Well, they are. I mean, most of the most of the chemical cars are are said they use the phrase something to the effect virtually indestructible. But remember, yeah. when when they say that, it's virtually indestructible. They're not indestructible. They're made to withstand a lot. But apparently, yeah. with the uh, the uh, cars that suddenly went off the rails with all the forces, they, they couldn't handle the impact there. So, 
we'll see what happens. I don't know. I, I don't like it, it. It's still a relatively early stage as far as the investigation. So I don't want to point fingers at anybody in particular. I'll be interested in seeing the, the final report with all the conclusions plus recommendations so they can try to take action to prevent this from happening again. Well, hopefully a lot can be done to help those folks. Well, and hopefully, the other thing is, hopefully it doesn't happen again, and hopefully when it happens again, it doesn't happen around here. Yeah, you know that's that's what worries me. I mean, we have we have these trains hauling dangerous chemicals through Binghamton every day, every day. Maybe even now, Larry, there is a train hauling dangerous chemicals through Binghamton. Maybe through Kirkwood. We've had a couple of trains that go off the rails here too. I know. I know. So we've had some close calls, but I don't think we've had anything catastrophic. It's been a long time since we've had a real, real bad train wreck around here anyway appreciate your call yep bless you man have a great weekend yep Eleven forty-eight. bob joseph the man who will ask questions again next week that's the plan so be here <laughs> don't by the way don't go anywhere i'm not quite finished yet it's friday morning the weekend is about to begin on wnbf Fifty live on WNBF ninety two one FM twelve ninety AM and always available on the free WNBF app. Fifty-one WNBF. Alice in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Thank you. Um, I'm calling because of the gun rights. The AR-15 is an extremely popular sport rifle. It just people people choose to pick up a gun and shoot people. That's their problem. It's not the gun. Guns don't pick up themselves. And it's an extremely popular gun. And there's a uh, lieutenant governor in Virginia who. And if you uh, bother to go look at the Freedom Magazine, America's First Freedom Magazine, she's on the cover of that. And um, she's, she, um, she shoots off that gun. So it's a, it's a sport. People choose to, to pick up a knife or a gun or a hammer or whatever the hell else they want to pick up. It's a sport. It's not the gun's fault. Guns don't pick up themselves. Well, I didn't say that. Okay. So why take George Santos? Off? George Santos wants it to be the national gun of the United States. Well, that's good. It is a very popular gun because it's fun to shoot, and um, it is a very popular gun. 
And there's more and more women in the United States buying guns right now because of protection. And they're fun to shoot. You go to rifle ranges. You do the right thing. And that's it, you know. All right. When's the last time you shot your AR-15? I don't have an AR-15. I'm a pistol person. All right. So when's the last time you went to the range and shot your pistol? Oh, before COVID, because it closed down all right. and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, yeah. But uh, you have it for protect- protection. That's all right. Good to have it. Things for protection. That doesn't mean you have to abuse the the right, the Second Amendment right that we have. Well, Alice, I'm not worried about you. Okay. No, I'm no, I, I I'm not worried about 99.2 percent of gun owners. It's the eight tenth of a percent of the people I worry about, unfortunately. And the, those you do have to be concerned. So, certain percentage of people at the moment who probably should not have access to any gun, even a squirt gun. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Carmen. Hi. Carmen Swaffer. Yeah. How are you doing? Well, I'm okay. Where are you, Binghamton? Yes, yes, Binghamton. All right. So what's on your mind? Just wanted to give a uh, shout-out for an event that's coming up at Boulevard United Methodist Church. Uh, this coming Sunday, uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we're ha- going to have a, a commemoration of Black History Month. So it's going to be quite a celebration. We've got um, a guest speaker coming from, he's the former mayor of uh, the city of Oneida, uh, Mr. Alden Smith. Uh, we've got some locals, which is um, uh, Brenda Cave James, our local uh, poet. She will be reciting one of her poems. We've got uh, a local little girl. Um, her name is Deanna Abu. She's going to be uh, reading the, the I Have a Dream speech. And we've got some amazing uh, music coming from the House of Worship, as well as their liturgical dancers. So um, we're going to have food afterwards and fellowship. And we hope for a big crowd. And what time will that be? That is this coming Sunday afternoon at Boulevard United Methodist Church. That's 113 Grand Avenue, and it is at 3 p.m. All right. That's at the corner of Grand Boulevard and Floral Avenue. That's right. Grand Boulevard and Floral. That's it. That's so we're the we're the beacon there, right? The lighthouse. I know exactly where it is. Okay. Hope you have a good weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that wraps up the week. Hope you have a great weekend. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. Welcome. WNBF Binghamton.